You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, kicking off this hour, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Checking in on the Calgary Flames on a practice day. Of course, the big news from Flames practice, Jacob Markstrom leaving early after taking a puck to the right hand in the non-padded area. No update from head coach Ryan Huska. So his status, probably best to say up in the air for Tuesday's game against the Minnesota Wild. We also checked in with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca, talking all things NFL. If you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Kicking off this hour, having a conversation with the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Josh Sanderson. Roughnecks falling in their season opener on Saturday to the Rochester Nighthawks. They're back in action Saturday night. Taking on the San Diego Seals when we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now to say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. Josh, thanks for doing this today, sir. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? We're doing good, thanks. Uh, thoughts on your team's performance on Saturday, uh, kicking off the season in a tight one in Rochester? I thought we had a real good start and real good first half and um, uh, struggled in the third quarter big time and uh, it ended up hurting us uh, they got on a, a, a big run and we didn't stop it. So uh, it's almost a tale of two halves. Uh, really good in the first half and second half we weren't good enough. We, uh, you know, got a little undisciplined and threw the ball away a bit, and um, they ended up getting on a big run. Uh, what was the difference in, in your mind in between the two halves? Because you went in with a five goal lead at halftime, and to see such a a big swing in the second half, I imagine there were a couple of things that you probably weren't too pleased with from your side. Uh, yeah, we weren't playing at the same pace for sure and um, turned over the ball a couple too many times and uh, I took some penalties that uh, weren't needed. So I gave them some momentum. They, uh, you know, um, put a few in the net and, and then, you know, when you're on the road, it's tough to stop. Uh, we had some chances we didn't bury and, um, yeah, we can tie it up late. But uh, the third quarter, our intensity dropped and uh, we just can't let that happen this week. Uh, 50 saves from Christian Del Bianco, who was busy all night. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of the caliber of goaltender you have in there, but I'm sure you'd like to see a little less rubber to uh, make it to your goaltender on a nightly basis. Uh, we're, we're looking at the quality chances more than the shots, to be okay. honest with you. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he was busy. Um, we don't mind uh, quantity. We don't like quality, but our turnovers led to, you know, a few too many possessions for them. So, uh, when we get some things cleaned up, I, I think that number will go down, but we really want to keep uh, the quality to a minimum. What's it been like uh, getting your chance to, to coach Christian and see him up close over the, the course of training camp and now one regular season game in the books, Coach? Oh, he's just a great pro. He uh, really prepares hard. Uh, he, you know, he thinks about it all week and uh, definitely had a good training camp and, um, you know, was ready to play this weekend. So, uh Definitely uh, one of our leaders, and um, yeah, he, you know he had a, a lot of work this uh, this past game. But uh, once we get settled in and play a good brand of lacrosse, I think the results will, you know, speak for themselves. 
What are the positives you want your group to take out of that? I know that obviously the win would have been great, and we've talked about uh, a subpar second half, but were there any highlights for you, anything that you want your group to take into Saturday's game against San Diego? I think just when we played, uh, you know, a certain style there the other night, we dominated it and um, it, it planned that for 60 minutes. We'll give our chance to, ourselves a good chance to win. So, you know, a lot of things we did in the first half, um, you know, we scored a six on five goal on the fly uh, transition. Our five on five was really good. Our defense was locked in. So, um, you know, just did a real good, lot of things to get that lead. And then uh, got to just follow through and, and make sure we keep our foot on the gas in the third quarter. Uh, one guy that uh, Calgary fans are obviously very familiar with was a good uh, start of the season for Jesse King. Seven points on the night, six of them in the assist column. What are you uh, getting as a coach when you have Jesse King on the floor? Yeah, he's a really good quarterback out there and, uh, you know, makes a lot of plays happen. And, um, you know, the other night made a lot of plays happen. So, uh, you know, I think if we get to 13, uh, we'll win a lot of games this year. Um, you know, we we just got to get a little bit more consistent in certain areas. Last season, talking to a number of teammates of Jesse's, a word that came up a lot was uh, a guy that leads by example. Is that something you've seen in your short time here in Calgary already, Coach? For sure, yeah. He plays hard, and uh, again, he's uh, he's been good all camp and um, was solid the other night. So we just, uh, you know, we got to fix some things as a team, and uh I think we'll get a, a better result than we did the other night. We go to San Diego this weekend, who's a really talented team. But um, I'm confident that if we play uh, the way we can for a full 60 minutes, uh, we'll get a result we're after. I uh, just want to go back a, a little bit with you to the last couple of weeks leading up to the regular season. How did you feel your group performed through training camp? Uh, I know you guys had a couple of exhibition games to get yourselves ready. How did you feel the, the group took in your first training camp as this, head co- as this team's head coach? I thought it was really good, um, especially the first two weekends. Um, you know, the scrimmages, we played really good, and, and uh, just uh, both were very good. And then the last scrimmage before um, in, in Moose Jaw there before our game, uh, we, we were making some of the mistakes that we made against Rochester. So I think if we can clean that up, we'll be in, uh, we'll be in a good spot. What do you uh, look at when you see your team on a nightly basis? What's the, the kind of... I guess the best way to describe your team on a night-to-night basis, what are the traits that you, you want to see from your group on a nightly basis? Uh, just such a, just a high compete level and uh, very physical yet disciplined and, and, you know, just play a fundamentally sound um, game, at, you know, controlling the ball and working together offensively and defensively. So uh, when we're doing all that, we, we got a pretty good ball club. So, and we showed spurts of that in Rochester for sure. So, um, once we get to you know a real consistent basis for 60 minutes, uh, I think we'll be in good shape. Uh, head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Josh Sanderson, along with us after the uh, opening night loss to Rochester on Saturday into San Diego this weekend. Coach, uh, back to uh, looking at another you know tough team in San Diego. Obviously, a lot of vets on this Seals team. What do you look at when you see uh, a San Diego group that you guys face on Saturday? Oh, they're very talented, and then, you know, they picked up some guys in the off season, so they should be even, uh, you know, better than last year. So, um, you know, it's going to take everything we got, and, uh, you know, we got to play a certain style, I think, to beat them. So we'll be preparing all week to do that and, um, you know, be ready for their home opener. 
is it a bit of a frustrating schedule to start the year for you guys, knowing that you've got two Saturday games, obviously this past Saturday, this next Saturday, and then you're not in action until the end of the month, and that's your first home game? Is it a bit tough to navigate this month of December for you guys? Yeah, well, it's, de- it's definitely different with, uh, I think we're the only team with a double lie, but that's, you know, that's part of the league. I think it was happened last year too. So it's, it, you know, it's just part of it and then dealing with it, you know, away from the rink and um, obviously preparing for this week and then making sure you're ready for the home opener when it comes. And then you got another bye week. So it's just up to us to take care of ourselves and make sure we're ready. Um, and then once we, you know, get into February, March, April, you're in a really good rhythm of almost every weekend. Uh, before I let you go, coach, what's it uh, been like for you being back in Calgary and uh, getting a chance to be behind the bench of the Roughnecks for your first game on Saturday? Oh, I love it. I love being, uh, being part of the Roughnecks and being back uh with the organization, uh, you know, just great, great memories from when I'm here. And uh, I feel the same now that I'm back. Um, got a lot of pride. Uh, very humbled to be uh, the head coach of the Roughnecks. So just real excited. And, um, yeah, I thought we, we could have grabbed that first one the other night. So we just got to, uh, you know, uh, win some win some games here starting Saturday night and things will be a lot better. Uh, sounds like a plan. Coach, really appreciate the time today. Good luck in your matchup on Saturday in San Diego. Uh, we'll check in with you guys soon, eh? Appreciate Thanks for having me. Take care now. Head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Josh Sanderson, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yeah, a bit of a tough schedule for the Calgary Roughnecks to start things off. Uh, they're just edged out 14-13 by Rochester on Saturday. They head into San Diego for a tough one coming up this Saturday. It's an 8 p.m. Uh, face-off in San Diego. They then don't play until Saturday, December 30th. That's the home opener for your Calgary Roughnecks. So if you've got some time off around the holidays, head to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and check out uh, one of the newest franchises in the NL. The Las Vegas Desert Dogs are in town, and it'll also be the home opener for the uh, Roughnecks. They then have another bye into Vancouver to take on a very familiar face and the Vancouver Warriors into Colorado to take on the Mammoth before they're back home Friday, February 2nd. So, yeah, it's a really, really tough schedule. Buys mixed in with uh, some tough teams there for the Calgary Roughnecks. So uh, get your tickets to the 30th for sure, because that's going to be your only chance to see them early on this season. Uh, Fingers crossed the group can pick up a win on Saturday when they take on the San Diego Seals. On to flashback uh, over the weekend, bring you uh, a piece from our own Pat Steinberg. If you missed this over the weekend, uh, the Calgary Flames, of course, traded away Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks, but they brought in some veteran NHL help into the organization. Mark Pissick now with the group. He will set, set to join the Calgary Wranglers after clearing waivers, but an Alberta native who grew up cheering for the Calgary Flames has over 500 games of NHL experience under his belt and uh, after dealing with some injuries the last couple of seasons is looking for another opportunity to get back into the NHL and saw one now with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Flames Talk exclusive over the weekend. Pat Steinberg checked in with the newest member of the Flames organization, Mark Pissick, as he gets set to join the Wranglers and hopefully at one point join the Calgary Flames. Here is this over the weekend. Steinberg with uh, Mark Pissick. Mark, tell us how this all came about. Tell us what the, the last 24, 48 hours have been like for you. Um, yeah, so I got uh, released from my PTO in Pittsburgh um, on Monday afternoon. 
um, and then just headed home to Edmonton here. And yeah, my agent just, uh, you know, asked around to see if there was anything available, any teams interested. And uh, fortunately enough, um, you know, Calgary right down the road here uh, showed some interest and we were absolutely thrilled uh, that they that they offered something. And uh, so I'm super excited. Family's excited and can't wait to get things going now. William, what's it? Uh, you're a Sherwood Park guy. You're a former Crusader. You're a Edmonton Oil King. What's it like being back in Alberta for the first time in in more than a decade? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely weird being here. Um, we were here for the COVID year um, this late, uh, but other than that, I haven't been in Alberta. You know, into December in a long time. Um, it's it's exciting. <laughs> I got. Um, you know, I got to see the kids, my wife, uh, both sets of grandparents, everybody, um, you know, in early December, which is odd, but um, it's it's definitely exciting. And we're we're happy to be so close to home for sure. So weird to uh, be signing with the Flames. Like, I know you're a pro and, and you've been in the uh, you've been in pro hockey for more than a decade now. But, you know, growing up at Edmonton, kind of strange to be signing with the Flames. Yeah, a little bit, but you know what? Growing up, I uh, my grandfather was a huge Flames fan. He lived okay. in Calgary, and and I uh, my favorite player growing up was Jerome McGinley. So it was, uh, you know, I I think I was a bigger Flames fan uh, growing up. So this is uh, even more exciting for me. Okay, okay, we'll see. Then uh, you're already endearing yeah. yourself to people. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what 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 do you know about this version of the Flames? What uh, as as you sign with your new team, kind of what do you know about the Flames as you join them? Um, to be honest with you, not a whole lot. Um, I think that uh, they're on the right track. They just made a move on on the back end, trading Zadorov. Um, but I know Uyghur, I know uh, Huberto, so uh, it's good to catch up with them. But um, you know, obviously going on a PTO to Pittsburgh, and then just this coming up pretty quickly. I haven't been. Uh, I've been following too closely, um, but I'm excited to to join the Wranglers and and see what happens this year. Tell us uh, now that we're, we're we've gotten to know Mackenzie and and Jonathan now that they've been here for a little while. But uh, tell us about give, give us the Mark Pesic scouting report on on Huberto and Uyghur. Rob, awesome guys. We had an absolute blast in uh, Florida playing with them. Um, both guys that were. Uh, you know, away from the rink, always love to have a good time um, and always fun to be around for sure. Um, and and I think on the ice that obviously Mackenzie can can do it all there. And, and Hubie, he's, uh, you know, a spectacular player. So uh, you got two good ones there. We're chatting with Mark Pesic, who just signed a one-year deal with the Calgary Flames today on this Saturday. Mark Tell, tell us about the the last year and a bit for you. I know last year was was a real difficult one for you, and and there was a lot that went into last season. Just I, I guess take us back to the injury and what the road back has been like since everything kind of hit a little more than a year ago. Yeah, so it was last summer. Um, I tore my Achilles uh, right after signing with Detroit, so that was. Uh, putting me out for the start of the season and then coming back, I was uh, skating there and then I retore it. So that put me out for the full season, which was um, obviously not ideal, um, but then had a good summer. And I think the timing of it heading into the summer after rehabbing there and skating there, it, it was looking good. I was feeling great going into training camp, uh, you know, on the PTO with Pittsburgh um, feeling good going in. And then first uh, preseason game, I think it was my second shift got a, a line a one-timer off the outside of the foot and 
broke my foot after all the rehab and, <laughs> and training, trying to get back into the NHL. So that was uh, another tough pill to swallow for sure. But um, went down to Wilkes-Barre, played, uh, you know, played eight games, and and I was definitely feeling good by the end of those. What when you have just bad luck after bad luck after bad luck like that for for a stretch? What do you? What do you learn about yourself? Like what 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 do you find in yourself to to be able to deal with some really brutal blows that you had next to no control over? Yeah, it's uh it was definitely tough, but I I, I think my family, my my wife and kids are the are without a doubt the reason that it was not easy, but it was easier to to cope with some of that. You know, it, it you come home from either the surgery or the rink after just a day of rehab and and the kids really don't care that you have a boot on or you can't walk. They want you to crawl around the floor and <laughs> jump and tackle and wrestle with you. So life, life didn't, didn't change that much in that sense. Um, obviously my wife had to, you know, carry both kids, put stuff in the car when we're going anywhere. But um, I think that was it just getting away from the rink and, and sort of switching my mind off from that and, and realizing that, yeah, it is out of my control and, and just doing everything I can to, to get back to where I want to be. What goes into coming back from one Achilles injury, uh, let alone two? But like, can can you maybe give us a, a little bit of a feel as to how grueling that process can be as you work your way back? Uh, it's definitely slow. Um, and it's odd. The, just the feeling of, for me at least, I, I don't think I can speak to everybody, but the, the nerves on top of my foot, around the foot, uh, there's a lot of sensations that just come out of nowhere, really. And, and other than that, a ton of calf raises, which I think in the last year, I've probably done 13 million calf raises, which, um, and, and my, and my calf still looks like nothing. It still looks like a string bean. Um, but other than that, you've got it, the hockey player odd. legs. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's nothing to look at right now, but, um, it is, it is, uh, just odd when you get out of that boot and you don't have that you know, push off with your toe. Um, just getting that back is definitely and every step. And every time you try to push it a little more, there's still that uncertainty in your mind, which uh, is it's gone now that I've played and, and I can run and stuff like that. But those first few months, it's definitely an odd feeling. Is it, when you go, when you go through a couple major injuries like that, then you break your foot when you're finally back at training camp. What does it, or has it made it so that some of the other things that, you know, maybe earlier in your career would have been really difficult to deal with. Did, did it give you a, a new perspective when you go through other adverse situations now? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I, and like I said, it was, I was lucky enough that I had a contract in Detroit the first time. So yep. I, I was around the guys and that, that helped too. You know, everybody was super inclusive of me and my wife and, and family there when we were there, even though we weren't, we didn't play one single game. Um, and there is, yeah, there's injuries are going to happen. I mean, it's, that's just the nature of the business and first game back block a shot. That's obviously horrible luck, but that's going to happen. And, and the timing of it is definitely unfortunate, but, um, that's just, just the way it goes. And, um, you know, we've had, I've had a decent time in the NHL lengthwise. Um, so looking back with no major injuries up until that point, really, um, I had been quite fortunate up until that point. 
Just a few more with uh, Mark Pesic, who signs a one-year deal with the Flames on this Saturday. So how how are you feeling now? You mentioned you got the eight games in with Wilkes-Barre in the American League, and, and you've finally been able to get back playing regularly again. How how does it feel? What's what's it like back being a hockey player full-time again? It feels great. Um, the first few games, I think my expectations may have been a little high on myself, just uh, you know after not really playing a competitive hockey game. Um, in a regular season for many months, but um, by the you know third fourth game, it was uh, sort of back to normal. I was confident in my foot, which um, felt really good. And then after that came back, I think it's just a matter of uh, you know keep building that confidence and and getting back to where I was. I think that's for sure possible. So for uh, Flames fans who maybe uh, maybe don't know a lot about you, Mark, what 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 do you bring to the table? Tell us about uh, Mark Pesic, the player. Yeah, um, nothing flashy, so don't don't be expecting too much uh, <laughs> flair or anything like that. <laughs> um, but no, just solid defensively. Uh, I like to I like to defend, um, you know, neatly and um, try to break up plays and and jump up a little bit on the offense and and just start the plays from our end and be quick uh, quick in transition and that's about it. Yeah. Final thought for you. You mentioned kind of right off the hop, uh, there was a trade that was made a little earlier this week. I, I'm just curious as to the type of opportunity you see as you join your new team. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think um, just looking at myself coming back, um, I think if I can get back to where I where I was before the injury, I think there's a chance, uh, definitely a chance to get called up and, and you know, help an NHL team. And um, the fact that it's in Calgary, close to home, um, I think that just makes it even sweeter. Obviously, I need to need to get back to where I was, and I think I'm uh, I'm definitely on track for that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes here. Well, Mark, really appreciate the time. Awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for doing this today. All right, I appreciate it. And thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. There you go, newest member of the Calgary Flames organization, Mark Pissick, joining Pat Steinberg for a weekend Flames talk exclusive. He'll head to the Calgary Wranglers and, like he said, hopefully get back to uh, NHL playing level as he's recovering from a couple of major injuries the last couple of seasons with the Alberta Native would love to join uh, the Calgary Flames at some point who, yes, have lost some of their defensive depth after trading Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. The Toronto Blue Jays remain a hot name in the NA, in the MLB excuse me, uh, free agent race for Shohei Otani. Also, rumors about uh, Juan Soto potentially being a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. What's fact? What's fiction? It's the uh, winter meetings for baseball going on in Nashville right now. We'll check in with Shai Davidi of Sportsnet to see his thoughts on the Blue Jays' pursuit of Shohei Otani and more. That to Sportsnet today rolls on. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Winter meetings underway in Nashville. For Major League Baseball, still out there, perhaps one of the biggest free agent contracts ever. Shohei Otani has not made a decision. Last week, the report was that he had narrowed down his list of teams. The Toronto Blue Jays were still in there over the weekend. We heard the Toronto Blue Jays were also suddenly now a favorite to land Juan Soto and that perhaps Alec Manoa's name had come up in those conversations. So there's a ton circling 
the Toronto Blue Jays right now as MLB executives gather in Nashville. We've got our eyes on the ground as well. Shai Davidi from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. He's in Nashville, ready to bring you any of the breaking Jays news that may or may not happen over the next week. But he checked in on the big show with Rustic and Rose on Monday to get a sense of where all these rumors are at with the Jays. Shohei actually a possibility for Toronto? Do they pivot to Juan Soto? If Shohei doesn't sign, are they going after both at the same time? Who knows? But Shy tries his best to uh, set you up with what's actually fact or fiction uh, as he checked in with the guys on the morning show from Nashville earlier on this Monday. So they are definitely engaged and trying and one of the finalists for Shohei Otani. Will they get him? Nobody outside his very small inner circle knows what he's thinking. So I wouldn't hazard anything that I'd offer. It would be just a guess. And I'm not sure there are enough tea leaves that to, to read that you could come up with any sort of accurate assessment. So, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to convince themselves of one thing or another. And, you know, in an absence of, of information or, or knowledge, it's sort of easy to talk yourself uh, into anything. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of how it would describe the situation with Otani, but the Blue Jays are there. They certainly are getting consideration. And are they ahead of the Dodgers? Are they behind the Dodgers? Are they behind somebody else? I, I, I just think that's, it's basically just throwing darts with blindfold on the, in terms of Juan Soto, uh, the Blue Jays, have, uh, again, are absolutely engaged on that. I think based on at least what's being reported that uh, of the San Diego Padres asks, if it's at that level, the Blue Jays won't be bidding at that level. Now, if the price changes or something else changes in the coming days, then, yeah, absolutely, think the, the situation could change on Juan Soto. But I think that the way that at least the Padres have positioned the ask to the New York Yankees based on the reporting that's been out there. I, I just can't see the blue Jays sending prospects at that level. Uh, you know, that would just, I think just be too much for the blue Jays to, to sacrifice off their roster to, to get a, a one-year rental. Um, in, in your, just, just a sense, uh, a feel. And again, it, it's fun because if you're not a fan of the team, it's, What's the point of being a fan if you can't fantasize about this kind of stuff, getting Juan Soto or Shohei Otani to play for the Blue Jays? Who's more likely to play for the Blue Jays in 2024, Shohei Otani or Juan Soto? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've thought about it in that way. And, you know, I'd say a lot of the same things, right? Uh, the, the, the Otani process... Just Otani is so unique, right? For someone as well known across the sports world and really uh, outside it as well, there is just so little known about him and what he what he's really thinking and what he truly wants and what he values. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff out there and we interpreted, oh, he all he cares about is winning and then all he cares about is being the best player ever. There's probably obviously some truth to both those things, uh, but. You know, is that the number one thing he wants in the destination? Is there something else that's important to him? We just don't know. And 
I, I, that's why I'm, I'm reluctant to uh, to hazard a guess. Uh, but you know, to, to answer your question, with all that being said, I, I, I would say Otani strictly for the fact that it's not a trade. It's just it's just money. Yeah. Um, not, not a small amount, obviously, but you know, the blue Jays don't have to sacrifice other players. It's a business decision. And clearly the, they've gotten to the point, you know, there's a barrier of entry to get to, to, to remain in play this point. And the blue Jays have cleared that barrier to entry. So I, I guess for, for those reasons, I, I'd say that maybe Otani is more likely, but uh, beyond that, I mean, again, we're, we're throwing darts with blindfolds on. Sorry, how important is it for the Blue Jays to go out and actually get one of these guys when you look at the, the recent kind of history of the franchise between the disappointing exits from the postseason this, this past year, just really disappointing results in the postseason for the last six or seven years, and now being just this involved in the talks, how important is it for the organization to get at least one of these guys just to show the fan base that, yes, this thing is moving in the right direction? I mean, whenever you go into an offseason, you want to try to get the best players you possibly can, right? So, yeah, clearly important. They're, uh, the Blue Jays obviously didn't have the ending they wanted last year. There's obviously some both internal and external recalibration that needs to happen. Uh, they are under, they're finishing up a 300 plus million dollar renovation and need to sell uh, new premium seating packages uh, that are very, very expensive to people and require a five-year commitment. So they, they need to do something that is going to provide value for, for those customers. All those elements are, are at play. Uh, but the Blue Jays could still have a very good offseason and enter 2024 with a very good team if they get neither of those guys, right? You could get, say, uh, you know, uh, a Reese Hoskins. Uh, you could add a Adam Duvall. You could re-sign Matt Chapman and maybe pick up another depth arm. And all of a sudden, you've got a very, very good team as well. So, uh, you know, it's important and like, obviously it would make everybody feel good, but the Blue Jays can, again, still have a good off season without either of those guys. One of the interesting wrinkles around the Shohei Otani conversation has been what you say Kikuchi's role is in all of this. What, what can you glean as far as what Kikuchi has to do with this situation? You know, again, it's, it's tough to, uh, tough to know for sure because teams have been told that if stuff leaks out about the process that it could end up uh, impacting uh, the decision. So the information has been very tight. I think it's safe to say that you say Kikuchi would be a part of it though. Who's just makes sense. Countrymen, they went from the same area. They went to the same high school. Otani is said to have looked up to Yusei Kikuchi uh, at, at that point in time in, in his life. So the Blue Jays would use every element they have to try and convince him. You know, Yusei Kikuchi would also be able to relate about the experience of being a Japanese ball player in Toronto 
and hearing things from your, your countrymen about uh, a, a situation can sometimes uh, create an additional level of comfort and things of that nature. So it's reasonable to assume that Kikuchi has been involved in some way, shape or form, but just how much to what level, you know, I, we just don't know. Again, you know, I think teams are very, very cautious because they don't want to do anything that would negatively impact their chances. And so, you know, think that when, once this is settled one way or the other, we'll get a, a much better sense of how this played out. Shai Davidi, Sportsnet baseball columnist, joining us live from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Uh, Shai, just, just again, living in this hypothetical dream world. So the Blue Jays get Otani, they trade for Soto, they sign him to an extension. We're talking about a billion dollars for two guys, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't <laughs> with a B scenario to, to play out. Right. Yeah, but I, I mean... You know, I, I sure, uh, but I, <laughs> we have to keep in mind Juan Soto's. Uh, let's say you did acquire Scott. Uh, excuse me, Juan Soto. I mean, it's a Scott Boris client, someone who's already turned down four hundred million dollars plus from the Washington Nationals in an extension. This is someone who's going to the market. So, I, if you're trading for Juan Soto, I think you're doing that with the understanding that you're not extending him before he gets to free agency. There you go, Shai Davidi, Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. You can hear that whole interview on the big show with Russick and Rose, wherever you get your podcast. The latest from Nashville, winter meetings underway, and the Blue Jays' interest levels in Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. Before we get out of here on a Monday, I wanted to take you back to the weekend. Uh, Sunday, a very special day, one of the best and uh, best days on the one of the best overall days on the sporting calendar here in Calgary. Teddy Bear toss at the Scotiabank Saddledome, a nearly sold-out crowd throwing bears on the ice. It was the Hitman and the Prince Albert Raiders, and while the game didn't end up how we would have hoped for the Hitman, uh, Teddy Bear toss, still a great success. And the puck will come free to Calgary. Trying to work it out is Adizinski. Got it in neutral ice. Lodwick takes over for the Raiders. Back pass misses defense. He's got to go pick up his mistake, and he does. Plays it around behind the net. It's picked off by David Adizinski to the front of the goal. Hoylet. He'll work it high. Yakimchuk coming in off the left wing circle. Looking dangerous to the net. The deke. Save Hildebrand. Rebound. Hoylet scores. He's done it again. Goodbye, Grinch. Hello, holidays. London Hoylet has brought the toys to town. the teddy bears hitman off the bench to celebrate it's a 1-1 tie and london hoylet in the middle of a mob scene right now who would have thunk it jeff hollick two years in a row for the pride of winnipeg manitoba brad curl right here on sportsnet 960 he nails it as he always does london hoylet for the second year in a row scores the teddy bear toss goal and uh, the hitman after the game announcing how about this? 21,233 bears went flying at this year's Teddy Bear Toss game, powered by NMAX and uh, a number of the Calgary Hitman players out and about it uh, in Calgary this afternoon. They've already stopped off to the uh, Alberta Children's Hospital to deliver some bears. They've got a couple more stops to get to uh, as within a day or two, all 21,000 plus 
of those bears will find a new home and a deserving home over the holidays. So congratulations once again to the Calgary Hitmen uh, and London Hoylet uh, for all the great work they do with Teddy Bear Toss. Another rousing success for the Calgary Hitmen. We will uh, say goodbye to you on this Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday, get you set for the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Game four of this homestand for the Calgary Flames. Hopefully have some more clarity on Jacob Markstrom's injury that caused him to leave practice today. If you missed any of it, we heard from head coach Ryan Huska with uh, as much of an update as he could give us back in hour one. We also had Emily Sadler on the program talking all things NFL. Josh Sanderson, the Roughnecks head coach, joined us after the Roughnecks dropped their season opener Saturday to Rochester. If you missed any of that, Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast, check us out. We'd love to have you along for the ride. Uh, so thank you to those guests for joining us. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And thank you to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor for their great work on this Monday. Still to come this afternoon on Sportsnet uh, 960, Real Kipper and Bourne have you for the next hour. Flames talk with Steinberg and Vickers. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow on a Tuesday. Another game day for the Calgary Flames coming up. That's when we'll hear from you next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.